Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Welcome to Market View, and as promised, we have on the line Mr. Sunny Hamid, Director for Wealth Management uh, at Financial Alliance, to help us get it right <laughs> in this uh, <laughs> investing climate. Okay, Sunny. <laughs> All right, uh, signs. Okay, not so happy now. Huh? Signs of a rapidly deteriorating U.S. economic outlook um, have spurred uh, bond traders to pencil in a complete policy turnaround by the Fed uh, in the coming year, with interest rate cuts in the middle of next year. Now, do you also expect the same? Um, yes, and not, and not only yes. Um, the U-turn has been quite drastic. Um, as more and more economic figures come out, um, I think the market is now moving way ahead of the Federal Reserve. Um, it's actually made a total U-turn, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, not only is it expecting rates now to be cut uh, uh, middle of next year, but in fact, it's, it's, it's increasingly being pushed forward. For example, the euro-dollar futures itself probably now sees potentially first quarter next year, instead of maybe above 4%, the so-called terminal rate now is basically 3.5% or 3 to 3.5%. So, and it's dynamic and it's moving. So I would not be actually surprised to hear some, even, some people even suggesting if we get kind of a very bad GDP numbers and such, that maybe the Fed could actually move late this year. Um, oh. So, like I mentioned, it's, it's a moving target and it's moving now in the opposite direction of what mm-hmm. we kind of knew about a, a month ago. Mm-hmm. But I suppose the upside to this is that if the, if the market's already expecting it, they can price it in and we wouldn't have uh, you know, a, a bit of a shock later on when the Fed does indeed make that decision. Exactly. And, 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 but there's also a flip side to the story. It's just that this really suggests to us that the economy is slowing down so drastically that the market is, is, is convinced that the Fed would actually pivot and pivot in a very aggressive manner. Mm. And, and, and that leads me to another point, which is there are people now talking about if the first half of this year we were we had shocked in, the, in terms of higher interest rates, in terms of the need for lower valuations because things were so frosty. Now, the second half of the year, we're talking about different types of shocks, which is, for example, uh, uh, credit shocks. Because if the economy slows, you're going to find some companies going to default. Mm. You're going to have liquidity shocks because, mm. again, people are just going to hold back on liquidity and markets are going to dry up and such. So we are probably moving into a different phase altogether. So on one hand, it's good that rates are coming off. On the other hand, we may have a new set of challenges. And of course, if we get closer to the ground, we could see also people, uh, the regular consumers, right, um, individuals, uh, defaulting on you know their loans, like whether it's mortgage mm. loans or term loans, mm. etc., right? Mm. Yes, exactly. So what would you consider as clear evidence that inflation is coming down? Well, first and foremost, historically, we've always seen inflation coming off if there's a, a, a severe recession or even a recession itself, um, uh, because what we call uh, consumer demand is 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 is, is um, gets destroyed, so to say. Um, the second thing, of course, if you look into some of the components, um, uh, things like commodity prices and um, and even now things like housing prices, and that, they're all coming off. So, so from that perspective, um, we do expect interest rates to come off, or rather, sorry, we do expect inflation to come off, especially on what we call on a data year-on-year basis. Mm. But but having said that, we still have to look into the nominal numbers. i just give you an example. Mm. Uh, if oil prices suddenly remain at 90 and 100, even into a year from now, it still remains at about 90 or 100. Mm. Uh, if you look at it from a year-on-year basis, that's zero growth because prices haven't gone up. Mm. But at the same time, economies will find it still very, very hard to operate at 
oil prices which are 90 to 100. Mm-hmm. So, so there's this underlying nominal price uh, stickiness which still could, could impact economies despite the fact that the official CPI numbers may show that hey, inflation is mm-hmm. not absolutely, mm-hmm. at least prices are not going up. Mm-hmm. We also heard yesterday actually, now they mentioned about energy prices, that the Norwegian uh, workers, right, offshore workers are on strike. So mm-hmm. how much impact mm-hmm. do you see that on oil prices? Since that is one of the key, uh, you were saying, you know, nom- nominal data or figures that we need to, to consider. Uh, these are probably, uh, I won't say minor, but secondary kind of factors which may okay. uh, impact oil prices. But the primary thing about oil prices now are, are two things. Um, number one, of course, is the energy price uh, because if the Russians switch off their so-called uh, pipeline, gas pipelines to Europe, then Europe will suffer a huge spike up in energy prices. Mm. And secondly, for the past 10 years, we've not seen a lot of capex, a lot of capital expenditure into new drilling of oil, discovery of oil and such, because part of the uh, focus was to green, to go to, to, go to green mm-hmm. energy. Um, and, and, and oil is not like commodity where, or rather oil is not like a manufactured good where you can just switch it on by doing extra shifts <laughs> and, and, and such. Um, you need at least a couple of years to bring new supply onto, onto the market. Mm-hmm. So there are already people saying, well, we may see prices coming off a little bit and such, but hey, the next couple of years, we could see elevated oil prices because of this situation. But this alternative energy source um, you know, avenue does seem to be going really, really slow. We've been talking about it for the last decade and a half, I think, at least, you know, since I've been, you know, or the last two decades since I've been active in, in, in you know, this uh, industry. So, okay, slow and steady, I suppose. Okay, let's, let's look at, you know, what uh, analysts are saying about the U.S. recession being possible. Uh, since everything is kind of being brought forward, right, are we looking at actually a U.S. recession now already, a mild one? Okay, um, a few, a few uh, ways of looking at it. Okay. Um, if you look at what has been released uh, as a forward-looking kind of uh, indicator by, I think it was the Atlanta and we have this forward-looking GDP, it does suggest that Q2 GDP may be negative. Um, Q1 GDP on a month-on-month basis, Q1 Mm -hmm. GDP was already negative. So people are calling the U.S. We already are potentially seeing or or we are going to see an announcement that the U.S. is in a technical recession because of Mm -hmm. two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Um, But if you look at how the official uh, uh, National Bureau of Economic Research, uh, NBR in the U.S., um, the so-called department which officially calls for a recession, um, their definition is a bit wider. They will need to see things like slower output uh, and also uh, falling job, jobs growth. Um, okay. So there's this really funny state where where we have most of the data suggesting that the economy has slowed down, but we have this really strong US uh, jobs growth number, which is suddenly remaining quite high. Mm. Um, and there are people even saying, you know, it could be a situation where officially it doesn't meet the, 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 the official uh, definition of a recession just because of this job growth, so the, they won't call for a recession. So it's quite a, <laughs> a funny situation to be what because mm. everything else, all the other data, the forward-looking data, mm. even the, the, the data showing us in terms of uh, output and such, do suggest that the US is slowing down and potentially even going to a recession. And are you seeing an impact um, in this part of the world already? Yes, I think um, the, the main worry for, for someone who looks at this at a global level is if the US slows down uh, drastically and even goes into a recession. Europe, in Europe itself, a lot of us already mm. kind of um, um, say that a recession is baked in um, um, the way things are going there. Uh, uh, the the price, the energy prices being so high, the fact that the ACB is behind the curve. 
So if Europe is in a recession, um, the US potentially going into a recession, and China isn't able to pick up that additional slack because it itself it, it's, it's trying to get out of its own situation. It's not good news for the for the whole world. Mm, I'm glad you mentioned China because there's some hope floating around that the US could potentially ease tariffs on Chinese imports. So two prong mm. question here, right? Um, one. Uh, how likely is that? Two, how would such a move be beneficial to Asian economies? Um, if it does happen, I, and I, I think it will, could probably happen to a certain degree, because again, um, the US recognizes that the issue with inflation is two pronged. It's, it's demand driven because of the huge amount of liquidity and low interest rates the past couple of years. Uh, the Federal Reserve has that responsibility of fixing that. On the supply side, it's all these supply chain disruptions and so on. So one way to fix it is actually to try and get rid of some of the tariffs in order for goods to come in and make things cheaper overall. Mm. But that's a political, it's a political minefield. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. so I think they will tread carefully on that, mm. um, not to be seen as, 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 as um, advocating or supporting Trump-era policy, so to say. Mm. Uh, uh, but at the same time, it's much needed because until you unlock some of these supply chains disruption, you're only dealing with half of the problem. Okay, and what's your reading of the Chinese economy currently? If there's an economy and, and if, there's a, if there are financial markets like the spot market, the bond market and the economy which potentially could go the other way or at least be a bit more stable than the rest of the herd or rest of the group, it could be China. Why? Because um, China had undergone a very severe uh, uh, sell-off in its bond market due to Evergrande and such previously. It's mm. undergone a very severe spot market correction because of the tech and uh, education sector uh, debacle and, and so on. And the Chinese authorities have come out to say we'll support the economy, we'll support mm. the financially, uh, fiscal side and also monetary side. Mm. So it's it's... It's two steps ahead, one could say, from the other economies because it's undergone the pain already. Mm. Uh, um, and therefore, it could be well positioned to either not fall as, every, as much as everybody else mm. or even do better than everybody else and post a slight positive. It has still its challenges, but anybody posting mm. a slight positive compared to everybody else who's posting a deep negative is good news. That's true. So we're talking yeah. about it um, in relative terms, right? Because in absolute terms, yeah. I think the World Bank is not terribly optimistic about the Chinese economy, uh, that yeah. it expects it to slow uh, in in, in this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. But we also must understand, uh, you know, whenever the World Bank, the IMF, sometimes when they release reports itself, these are backward-looking reports. Mm. Numbers are, are, are a couple of months old and stuff, and we are really living in a world where things change extremely fast. Mm, okay, let's uh, now come back even uh, more to our part of the world. Uh, let's look at ASEAN equities. Uh, we saw them struggling a bit last year, right, with a return of actually minus 3%. Um, but so far, they've been quite resilient in the first half of this year, at least. Uh, moving into the second half, are you um, optimistic about this, you know, resilience carrying on? till the rest of this year? Um, it's going to be suspectful in a sense that I think a lot of the uh, strength in ASEAN equities came from uh, the commodity export countries. Mm. And of course, Singapore stock market has done pretty okay uh, so far. Also. Mm. Um, and given that commodity prices have fallen across the board except for oil, oil we, we did see a, a dip last night but still remains about 90 level. Mm. Uh, but given that, um, and if the global economy slows, I don't think ASEAN can really run away from that. 
it's, it's just going to be dragged down. Maybe it will do a lot better than other other regions mm, which mm. don't have commodities or are at least are importers of commodities. Mm. Uh, being exporter of a commodity and having a, a, a relatively large block of, of, of consumers. Mm. Uh, but one thing about ASEAN is, I think they really need, need to get their act together and to open up markets uh, mm. among ASEAN members uh, mm. because we really need the, the, the market to be connected, interconnected in, in this kind of situation. Mm. Okay, mate, one last quick question. Um, you know, I asked for uh, investing direction from a, a personal friend, right, who's kind of big in, you know, trading and all that. And he advised that in this climate, given the volatility of currency, to f- focus a bit more on Singapore dollar-denominated stocks. What would you mm. say to a person like that? Okay, um, so there are two aspects to it. One is Singapore-denominated sing dollar and the other one is stocks. Stocks, I'm not too sure in a sense. I think if your time horizon is long enough, um, um, there may be another down leg if, 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 like I mentioned, there's a few challenges coming ahead in the second half. If your, but if your time horizon is long enough, then probably going in or picking up a few gems and holding it longer term, that's fine. Mm. Uh, on the currency side, I would totally agree uh, because um, it, it's going to be very volatile out there. So you really don't want to be hit on both a uh, price level mm. and then on the currency risk level. Things are going really left, right and centre. It's very hard to predict in terms of the yen, in terms of the euro, in mm. terms of the US dollar. So you, by investing locally, mm. uh, you take away one uncertainty, which is currency. Always so good talking to you, Sam. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for your insight. We've been speaking with Mr. Sunny Hamid, Director for Wealth Management at Financial Alliance on Market View. Do stay with us right here on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. And that's a wrap for today's episode. But before I go, I've got something special to share with all of you. If you're into deep dives on thought-provoking topics and engaging conversations, do tune in to Chua Tien Tien's award-winning podcast, Under the Radar. It is a B2B segment focused on how a company assesses its business environment and how the firm finally performs financially. So please listen and follow our podcasts on the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Lin Li Fu, and you're listening to Money FM 89.3.